Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. Scripture of the day comes from Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. Probably a story many of us have heard a number of times. And uh, I'm continually amazed what God does with Scripture in our hearts and in our minds and helps us to get something out of each time we read it. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, get ready and go south for the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This road is not used nowadays. So Philip got ready and went. Now Ethiopian Eutych, who was an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia on his way home. He had been to Jerusalem to worship God and was going back home in his carriage. As he rode along, he was reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over to that carriage and stay close to it. Philip ran over and heard him reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He asked him, do you understand what you are reading? Bishop replied, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And he invited Philip to climb up and sit in the carriage with him. The passage of scripture which was he was reading was this. He was like a sheep that is taken to be slaughtered, like a lamb that makes no sound when it, its wool is cut off. He did not say a word. He was humiliated, and justice was denied him. No one will be able to tell about his descendants, because of life, his life on earth has come to an end. Fisher asked Philip, Tell me, of whom is the prophet saying this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip began to speak, started from the passage of scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled down the road, they came to a place where there was some water, and the official said, here is some water. What is to keep me from being baptized? The official ordered the carriage to stop, and both Philip and the official went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away. The official did not see him again, but continued on his way, full of joy. Philip found himself in Azotus. He went on to Caesarea, and on the way he preached the good news in every town. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray now that we might receive this Word from God, and that we might uh, listen carefully for God's leading in our lives, but also that I might be faithful to say what God wants me to say. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who does Philip think he is? <laughs> interrupting. Interrupting. There's a, there's a lot of times that people need to be interrupted, really. Though it's considered not good manners, there's sometimes people need to be interrupted. I think some of our politicians need to be interrupted more often than not. <laughs> But here's, here's Philip, and the, 
this man who's uh, been to Jerusalem to worship. He is a eunuch. He probably took this deserted road because he wouldn't have to meet too many people. Because he might have read in Deuteronomy about that eunuchs are not really welcome in, in God's worship. But he was there. He was a believer and he worshiped God. And on the way home, he, he took that, that road that was not well traveled, hardly ever traveled now. Now, Philip had been one of those seven that were chosen because the, 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 the um, apostles were busy, too busy. That's, sometimes we never really understand what a pastor does or a teacher does, and they're busy. And it, sometimes they're expected to do things that really are not in the job description. So in the, in the whole situation here, they had people that would come each day and be fed because people didn't have much at that time and some of them had nothing, but the Christians in this area would make sure that they had something to eat and probably find them a place to stay and, and many other things that they needed. So the apostles were busy doing this and they didn't really have the time they needed to, to uh, work for their preaching and their teaching to do the, the studying that they need to do and prayers that they need to do. <clears throat> Sometimes people think it's, you know, well, just, uh, you know, just a simple prayer is fine, and it is as far as that goes. But there are many of the, the very important people in the history of the church, everybody's important, but some that are better known, let's put it that way, that spent many hours in prayer each day. Martin Luther said if he didn't spend three hours a day in prayer, his day never went well. So that's an interesting thing to think about. If you spend three hours in prayer, then about eight hours sleeping, and some studying of the Word, and then you end up waiting on tables, you probably end up running out of time. And usually what happens is the other things you're supposed to be doing will suffer as far as the time needs to be spent. So we look back in Acts chapter 6, and we see the choo choosing of the seven. They were, their, their job was to take care of this problem because some of the people said that it was unfair, that they, other people were getting food and they weren't. Their families weren't. You know how that goes when we... We don't always care so much about ourselves, but when it comes to our family, we get pretty protective, don't we? You know, and so they, they said that we have a problem here. It's just not fair. The apostles... Uh, who were supposed to devote their time to prayer and study of the word chose seven. One of those was Stephen. Now if you read chapter 8 you find out what happened, or chapter 7 I'm sorry, you find out what happened to Stephen. He was very faithful in what God called him to do and some of the leaders in the uh, Jerusalem church, the traditional church, <laughs> not this Christian church, but the, the, the apostles or the Pharisees and Sadducees decided they were going to stone Stephen and there was a man standing there giving his agreement to that, his name was Saul who became Paul Stephen died but as Stephen was dying he looked up to heaven and saw the Lord and he said Father forgive them for they know not what they do he, he had known about that before I'm sure so now Stephen is dead 
And here's Philip. You know, when someone's doing the same thing you're doing, and they are put to death because of that, the human nature takes over many times and says, well, you know what? I'm going to back off from that. Lord, can you send someone else? But that wasn't Philip, you see. Philip actually went to Samaria. Oh, not Samaria. What are you doing in Samaria? We don't like those people. But he did. He went to Samaria and he, he shared the good news with them. In fact, he was doing it so well that, that Peter and John decided to go check him out. I, I really think that's an important part of it. Because those of us who have been Christians for a while, sometimes our witness gets a little difficult, maybe, you might say. But when we see someone who's fairly new at it and they're excited as they are, like, yeah, that's what I need. I need some of that excitement in me because, because this is the most important thing that the world can ever hear. The winner of the Super Bowl is not the most important thing that the world can hear. The winner of the World Series, the winner of the Stanley Cup, none of those are as important as this message is. There is nothing as important as this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we get a little stale, don't we? It's like, well, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I'm not sure if I'm doing it right or not. But then there's someone comes along, and I, I think that's really what Peter and John were doing, is go out and check, check out Philip and say, we need some of that excitement in, in what we're doing, because we've kind of lost some of that excitement, and we need it rekindled. And it, I'm sure it happened. So Philip was being very faithful, no matter that Stephen was put to death. And if Philip went back into Jerusalem, he might have also been put to death. He said, I'm going to do it anyway. Philip was baptized. And how, how many times do, do we get baptized? See, we in the United Methodist Church believe that God does it right the first time. So we don't need a rebaptism by water. Although, we do believe that we need to be rebaptized in the Holy Spirit every day. We need to allow God to cleanse us, to clean our whole house of all the things that are not of God, and fill that with the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, then we get excited about it too. Get really excited about it. So Philip was allowing that to happen in his life. Now, normally, it, as, as we, when we have a baptism, we lay hands on the person, we put water on their head, okay, and we baptize them in water, and we lay hands on and ask for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in them, and fill them up. That's, that's how it begins, and we need to renew that each day, I believe. So we ask God to take away all those things that are in the way and fill us with the Holy Spirit, so we can serve Him in newness of life. Unison, excitement. So here's Philip going about his job that God has led him to do. And it's like, well, Philip, you've been really good at this. How about, you know, taking a rest? That's not what God said. God said, go. Go down to Gaza. Gaza? That God forsaken place? What's there? He didn't say that. You notice that? He just went. Gaza is in the area where there was a man 
he prayed about dead bones. Dead bones. As bones got themselves together and got muscle and sinew and flesh and blood, it was the greatest party this world has ever seen. So the history was there, but you know, I don't always go back to see those places, but Philip did. And what did he see? One lone traveler. Okay, so there's somebody here, Lord. Now what? Go up to him. I don't know that guy. What am I going to say? You notice Philip didn't say that either? He went up to him. Now I believe he was stopped because I don't care what you're riding in, especially if you're in Pennsylvania and you're trying to read while you're riding. It's pretty tough to do that. So I'm sure this, this carriage or chariot, whatever it might have been, was stopped. So Philip ran up to it and said, you understand what you're reading? Did Philip know what he was reading? I don't think so. But what he was reading was Isaiah 53. See, I think he had read that part in, in uh, Deuteronomy about eunuchs not being welcome in God's worship time. But then he might have read Isaiah 56 too. Just like we went back from Acts chapter 8 to 6 and 7, then he, he read this thing in, in Isaiah 56 about how eunuchs are welcome. What made the difference here? How did that change from Deuteronomy to this? And so he probably looked back a little bit and said, well, I want to find out what happened here. And he came across Isaiah 53. He was like a sheep that is taken to be slaughtered, like a lamb that makes no sound. When his wool is cut off, he did not say a word. He was humiliated, and justice was denied him. No one will be able to tell about his descendants, because his life on earth has come to an end. Now, when you're a eunuch, you realize that what humiliation is. You're not, you won't have any children. And when your life comes to the end, there won't be anybody left to carry your name on. I'm sure that made a difference to him. I thought, wow. Somebody going through some of the same things I'm going through. I wonder who that is. And along came Philip. With God's direction. And Philip asked the right question. Do you understand? What you're reading. No. I don't have a clue. You know what happens when we read scripture and we don't have a clue? It's important to find somebody that does have a clue. It really is. Somebody who's been in the Word and studied it and pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us in the understanding of it. That's what Bible study is about. That's what working with someone else to teach us is about. That's what mentoring is about. All kinds of ways we can do it. But do you notice that 
Philip then say, I wonder what I'm going to say to him. I don't know what to say. See, I can identify with Philip because when someone calls me and says, can I come and talk with you? They want to have some counseling of some kind. Someone to listen. And I, I say, sure. When do you want to meet? And as soon as I'm not communicating with that person at that moment anymore, I look up and say, God, I have no idea what to say to this person. <laughs> So what I'm asking is that you speak through me, and you listen through me, and God's very faithful in that. There's a promise in Mark chapter 13 that even in times of trial, you don't have to wonder what to say. God will give you the words if you trust him. God will give you the words to say if you trust him. That's what Philip didn't trust him. given to him by the Holy Spirit. And he interrupted. <laughs> what the world needs today is an interruption. A wonderful interruption of the Holy Spirit. Because most of the world doesn't know the Holy Spirit. They don't know the Holy Spirit. They really don't. They don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And they need interrupted because they're so busy worrying and, and doing all kinds of things that are not godly. They need to be interrupted. Sometimes they react violently about that. The suffering servant was something that this eunuch knew something about. That's what we call the Isaiah 53, the suffering servant chapter. It hit home, hit very close to home. And now who is this guy? Is this is this prophet talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And I think just about that time he they'd started moving again. Because you see, Philip didn't need to read or tell his story. He could tell the story along the way. Because he knew it so well, he had lived it. He experienced it himself. That's really all our witness is, is what we experience. Have you experienced life through Jesus Christ? Have you experienced the forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ? Have you experienced the eternal life that God has given to us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ? That's all our witness is. It's not complicated. It's really not complicated at all. And so Philip shared the message that he had gone through himself and told the eunuch about the good news of Jesus Christ. That yes, even for this eunuch, Jesus had died for his sins. And Jesus had rose again on the third day to bring him eternal life. Does that excite us? Does me. I can't think of anything else in the world that's more exciting than the fact that Jesus died for my sins and has brought me eternal life through his resurrection. I can't think of anything as exciting as that. Anything. Wow. Well, I don't need that in my life. Notice the eunuch didn't say that. <laughs> the eunuch was excited about that. 
And when he, when he finally came across some kind of water, whether it was a stream or a creek <laughs> or a little pond or whatever it was, he said, what would prevent me from being baptized? And the answer is nothing. Nothing would prevent me. Just like there is no place too far for we as Christians to go to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no effort too hard for us as Christians to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no inconvenience so strong that we can't take the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing should prevent us. Nothing. So he was baptized. Came up out of the water. Philip was gone. Here's the next assignment. Azotus in Caesarea. To continue on. See that there isn't really any retirement from the work of God, is there? I retired in 2017. Or so I thought. No. I knew. The only, the only good thing that came from that is I only have one report a year to write. <laughs> I don't have 15 to write. I have one a year to write. That's nice. I like that. Reports are not my favorite thing. You might, might have known that before. But see, I, I'm still preaching from time to time. I'm teaching from time to time. I'm mentoring. I work with the District Committee on Ministry. I love it. It's not work at all. You know, work is driving to it. So since we've been on Zoom, it's, you know, it's not even work. <laughs> Just getting computer work. Computer work. <laughs> but the interesting thing, how did the how did the unit go then? With joy. With joy. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring death to the world. I came to bring life and more abundant life. And this unit now experienced abundant life. No, he would never have any children. He would still continue to be the, the treasurer for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia at the time. But he had abundant life. Knowing that there was someone who cared enough about him to give his life for him. And to come back to life and bring him eternal life. And that was a source of great joy. I hope it is for you too. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest story, the greatest teaching, the greatest anything that this world could ever imagine. I thank you that it's true. Not just true for us, but true for those people we meet in the store, along our life's journey, wherever it might be, and some who need to hear it for the first time, and some who need to be reminded of it for whatever time it might be. Thank you, God, for the witness you give us. Thank you for the difference you've made in our lives. And thank you for giving us the words to share and to tell others how that difference can be theirs also. In the precious name of Christ, amen.